Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I love not typing. Not messing my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on the Supergirl Radio Facebook page and the DCTV Podcast YouTube channel to go back in time. Since Morgan didn't review Supergirl episodes as a full-time co-host of Supergirl Radio until the episode World's Finest, which aired in March of 2016, which is uh, very similar to the time frame in which we are doing this now in March of 2023. So time traveling will be a little easier, I think, this time. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to have to, like, wear different clothes for the different <laughs> seasons or anything like that. That is my least favorite part of time traveling, honestly. <laughs> Never you know what to pack. Especially in the springtime. It could be <laughs> either way. Uh, but we are revisiting this episode of uh, Falling from Season 1 to get Morgan's thoughts. Uh, Falling is Season 1 episode episode 16 so we're nearly finished uh with the season uh but i think we're just gonna maybe keep going until the end with a series no not the series finale we can't rewind no, all that no, no. I, I, I misspoke we've already done it. i think we'll just continue to the season finale of season one with rewind for the moment uh so we'll we'll have a couple more episodes to go with this <laughs> so we'll have some more time traveling traveling until we get to uh, better angels, uh, but uh, that is what uh, we're doing falling this week. Uh, if you're interested in listening to our initial discussion, uh, Carly Lane, a former Supergirl Radio co-host, and I discussed falling from season one during season one, and the link to that is in the video description below, below the live stream, and we will also include it in the audio podcast show notes if you're interested in checking it out and i highly recommend it because i actually recently went back and re-listened oh. to it myself and i was like this is a pretty good episode of super radios and and since since we're talking about uh former uh our former co-host and pal carly lane just gonna plug real quick that she actually just had a book come out called uh, a regency guide to modern life uh oh. so that is something you can purchase if you like. I I did. I have not read it yet, uh, <laughs> but the cover is awesome. <laughs> I would probably buy it and then never read it because I just have trouble reading books. What are books if not you know <laughs> mostly decorations? <laughs> They're more aspirational. <laughs> we will get that link and include that in the video podcast uh, video description of the live stream. And then we also put an audio podcast show notes. So definitely go and support uh, Carly. But the the episode really wasn't as good as it maybe could have been because Morgan wasn't there. So we will get Morgan's <laughs> thoughts 
I feel like we're setting the bar high. Like now it's gotta be better. I gotta bring my A material tonight. I think we will get it. Uh, but until but before we get to uh, the episode discussion, we need to get to the news. According to Deadline.com, Supergirl alumna Melissa Benoist will be the voice of a heroine Tila in Masters of the Universe Revolution. Uh, that's <laughs> that's Kevin Smith's continuation of his Masters of the Universe Revelation. Hmm. Uh, He-Man that, adaption. That seems confusing. It does. It does. I was this already title's... confused. <laughs> <laughs> might uh, want to choose a different letter to start those words revolutions and revelations maybe too similar yeah yeah uh, it's the he-man adaption he has at netflix uh mattel announced um she takes over for the role uh played by sarah michelle geller in the original series oh no this is like two of my favorite people <laughs> worlds colliding <laughs> um so it's set as the follow-up to 2011's revelation revolution again not the choice I <laughs> it's made. too confusing <laughs> I keep wanting to say the same word over again. Um, so Revolution uh, finds Benoist as Tila alongside He-Man and the rest of the Masters as they struggle to save Etheria from the tangles of darkness. Um, I think we should mention He-Man is played by her husband. Yeah. Um, Chris Wood. So maybe some ideas about how she ended up involved in this project <laughs> uh, but also she's good friends with kevin smith as well so they're good pals it, yeah. it was kind of uh this was kind of always going to happen eventually <laughs> <laughs> the he-man of it all was inevitable <laughs> what, uh, what if all he-man characters were just supergirl actors oh my god that would be incredible i thought you were gonna say what if all he-man characters were just voiced by melissa benoist that's even better <laughs> she's like she's like playing all the characters she's like hey, i'm coming over here hello it's me <laughs> by the power of grace um, i think this is a the all melissa benoist version uh, that's gonna be like her like her one woman play on broadway <laughs> i would she, she does all the roles <laughs> she puts on like a little skull mask and then does the voice oh my gosh she she uh, melissa benoist is skeletor is like a dream that would be awesome i mean listen we're i'm pitching it to broadway as we speak. <laughs> melissa's gonna be real mad when she finds out oh my gosh that's so good <laughs> um so it goes on to say revolution is an all-new story that focuses on the classic he-man versus skeletor rivalry in a way audiences have never <laughs> just imagining before. that as melissa benoist now right that would be a that melissa be... benoist he-man versus melissa benoist skeletor it's a way that we've never seen before, isn't it? Isn't I'm not gonna it? let it go now. <laughs> no, it's gonna be so good. She would just like run from one side of the stage <laughs> to the other during fight scenes. <laughs> this is gonna be great. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, as I read this description, that all of these parts played by Broadway actress Melissa Benoist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's technology up against magic both of, of which is her as he <laughs> and, the, and the heroic warriors face the force the forces of Skeletor and a deadly threat to the planet in the next epic chapter in the battle for I want to say Etheria Eternia yeah Eternia I definitely got that wrong the first time um <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I jumped at the opportunity to work alongside my friend Kevin Smith and join the Revolution family as another bold and fearless heroine, said Benoist. I look forward to sharing the next evolution of Tila's story with fans and voicing all the characters. Uh, <laughs> She did not say that. But she, <laughs> uh, she joins previously announced cast, including Chris Wood as He-Man, Emmy nominee Mark Hamill as Skeletor, and William Shatner in a still-to-be-announced role. <laughs> wow. This, what a, now, now I just want to see the Broadway version of this. Like, no, 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 no. Animation's great, but imagine, <laughs> if you will, all of these actors on stage. But then... Uh, like halfway through the production, they all leave. It's just Benoist now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of ideas. Uh, <laughs> Masters of the Universe Revolution is set to <laughs> debut on Netflix in 2024. Um, do do do, and then we talk about the producers and Chris Smith is uh, Kevin Smith is involved. <laughs> yes, uh, some other people, but most importantly, I think Kevin Smith. Wow, I did not anticipate that news <laughs> to be so delightful. Um, yeah, I mean, now I'm really excited. I what I didn't uh, watch that first uh, take. Was that Revelations or Revolution? Revelation. The first one was. Yes, I did not happen to catch it. Now I, I'm going to go back I and watch a little bit of it, and I thought it was good. But uh, like most things, I I got like distracted halfway in the middle. And never finish. But now, now I have to finish because I need to see the all Melissa Benoist for <laughs> season two. <laughs> yeah, so that is going to be great. Well, we have some uh, news related to the Flash movie, which is pretty important because that movie is supposedly coming out in a couple of months. Uh, Soon, I'm still, uh, I'm still a little <laughs> uh, skeptical. Because uh, uh, it's been delayed many, many times. But uh, hopefully we <laughs> won't have any more delays. And it will actually come out when they say it will. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the upcoming superhero movie, The Flash, has been done and locked for several months now as it awaits its June 16th release. It has many fans inside the studio, including new DC co-head James Gunn, who called it, quote, probably one of the greatest superhero movies ever made, unquote. You know, I thought we were exaggerating that. No, but no, <laughs> no, nay, one of the best films of all time. <laughs> but that's actually what he said. Uh, now it has a fan outside of the studio walls, actor, superstar, and cinema saver Tom Cruise. Sources tell the Hollywood Reporter that Cruise has seen the movie and loved it so much that he cold called the movie's director, Andy Muschietti, to rave about it. In late February, according to several sources, Cruise had a meeting with Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslov, during which the mogul mentioned how great the movie was. Everybody's just, oh, this, this is oh the greatest movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen a movie so good. <laughs> Cruz, curiosity peaked, then asked to see it. Zaslav acquiesced to the request and a copy of the movie was sent over to Cruz. But as an insider says, this was no casual, casual messagering. 
mess no mess, <laughs> messengering a warner's employee brought the crew the movie to cruise's home in beverly hills and stayed until the actor finished watching the flash it is <laughs> it is unclear Could you imagine being that person like your, your <laughs> boss is like you have to drop this off to tom cruise and you're like the tom cruise and and they're like yes and you're like mission impossible and you're they're like yes and i was like sweet and then you go and then before you walk out the door they say but he you know he can't He's a little wily. He can't be trusted. You can't just drop it off. You gotta watch him watch it. <laughs> and you're gonna want to watch the movie. We don't want you to. Don't take your eyes off Cruz as he watches. <laughs> <laughs> just two hours of like watching somebody watch a movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have to go watch a movie with Tom Cruise at his house. I'm sorry. That's what you have to do today. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, stayed with the actor until he finished watching The Flash. It is unclear on what format Cruz watched it, whether it was digital or film. <laughs> when Cruz finished, the movie was given back to the messenger who returned it to the studio. Cruz was so taken by what he saw that soon after he reached out to Muschietti. It was a call out of the blue for the director. Cruz is said to have raved about the movie, saying something to the effect that The Flash is, quote, everything you want in a movie, unquote. And, quote, this is the kind of movie we need now unquote according to insiders so we don't know if he actually said that or not it's just what's being attributed to him by insiders um so this is uh quite the news uh big movie star tom cruise loving the greatest movie ever made ever made uh, so uh that's a uh, good uh news for the flash movie now now my expectations are even higher like i just I, imagine I, I don't know if this is the best strategy for them because they're elevating it to this is the greatest movie, the greatest movie, the greatest movie, the greatest movie. And then what if you go and you're like, I mean, it was okay. Like, they're, they're like, we don't want to get your hopes too high, but this movie might achieve world peace. <laughs> if only everyone could see this movie, things would be different. Tom Cruise. <laughs> It's like the uh, it's like the give a, a world a Coke uh, commercial, <laughs> but like as a, as a marketing play for this movie. <laughs> uh, so uh, keep your expectations low. Yeah, I'm sure that no insider did, say. that insider who leaked that um, didn't have any kind of vested interest in like the movie. Probably wasn't. <laughs> probably didn't even work for Warner's. Honestly, <laughs> who said disinterested third party who happens to know Tom Cruise loved the movie? You know. <laughs> As you do. I just think it's so funny, like, how obviously planted this story is. <laughs> By this, you know who loves the movie? Tom Cruise. <laughs> you know, everybody loved that Tom, that Tom Cruise uh, Maverick movie, that uh, Top Gun Maverick movie. Yes. Everybody loved that. You know who was in it? Tom Cruise. You know who loves the Flash movie now? Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> I can't wait for the inevitable... <laughs> Uh, flash a uh, top gun crossover oh my gosh that's gonna that's be great let's let's get, get that let's get that going too i'm sure tom cruise has already started calling people like <laughs> tom, tom cruise is making calls right now <laughs> making calls while the uh while the messenger stares at him <laughs> sir people can i just have the movie back <laughs> now i have good faith that the messenger part of this was probably real <laughs> that felt the realest <laughs> the whole story <laughs> because um 
I, when I worked at Turner, uh, Cartoon Network had just started doing the Clone Wars, the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoon Ooh. show. And uh, there would be a Lucasfilm representative who would bring the episode to our location and you would have to give it back to that Lucasfilm representative. Like he was Ooh. walking like so you couldn't you couldn't just like carry it on your own. That person had to hold it. So that feels the most real to me, that messenger part where like they sat there and watched Tom Cruise watch the movie. That feels right. So um so uh get your expectations high and keep them higher. Just set, set them high. Put put them through the roof. Imagine what a movie can be. That's what the flash will be. Imagine a movie. <laughs> You've always wanted it to be. <laughs> it's gonna. Oh, oh, what are you thinking? You want in the movie? Don't worry, it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> oh, oh, that can't possibly be true, Morgan. Because I'm thinking about really weird stuff. It is. We're here to tell you it is. <laughs> oh, oh, you want? You don't want to believe us? That's fine. Do you want to believe Tom Cruise? <laughs> I like how aggressive this advertising campaign <laughs> this movie is already. It's like months away. <laughs> but they're ready for the <sighs> to un unveil the greatest movie of all time. I'm so excited now. I can't wait. My expectations <laughs> are super high. Cannot be higher. I can't imagine that I can't imagine that this is gonna backfire on them in any way. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna hit all everything all my expectations. I just know it. <laughs> Uh, pivoting a little bit from the greatest <laughs> movie of all time, uh, Superman and Lois has cast their version of Lex Luthor. As we know, Superman and Lois, um, they live in a different universe than Supergirl. They're doing their own thing. They're, they're, they're loving life. So they don't have Ducky Lex Luthor, which is <laughs> unfortunate for them. But they have a new Lex Luthor. There's a new Lex Luthor in town. Uh, the Walking Dead alumni, Michael... I want to say Kudelitz. That seems Kudelitz right. Feels Kudelitz? 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 Maybe? Feels sort of in the realm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it will be in season three. Uh, Lex wouldn't be Lex without his signature bald head, but Kudelitz is bringing his own signature facial hair to the character. Yeah, that's right. It's getting controversial. Lex Luthor <laughs> has a beard. He's got a beard now. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's not right. No, you're not right. Deal with it. <laughs> I, I like the way this. I like the way this article is written, as if it's like already like trying to heat off criticism. That like, <laughs> I guess some people do care about it. I was like, I was like, oh, cool. He's got a beard. Uh, according to the official character description, this version of Lex Luthor is known to the world as the visionary billionaire behind LexCorp. But the criminal underworld knows who Lex truly is, a brutal psychopath who terrorizes anyone who crosses, he crosses paths with. It's been years since he dropped out of the public eye, and he's reemerging hellbent on correcting a personal injustice by enacting revenge on the two people he feels wronged him the most, Superman and Lois Lane. Uh-oh. He's back, and this time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> My question is, is he really Lex Luthor um, if he doesn't show back up at the end of every season of Superman and Lois? Well, they don't know what they've just created because if they get another season, which honestly, we know the odds are not good. But if they do, he'll be back. 
And he'll be back forevermore after that. You you give Lex Luthor an inch and he's taken a mile. You cannot he'll get be, rid of him. He'll be in every season finale <laughs> from now on. Be careful what you wish for. Oh, he's weird. He's different. He's not different. He's not different. <laughs> uh, in the chat, new Rachel asks, uh, working it or beardy? Ooh, so should we question. do a working it or beardy? I, I guess? think I think so. I mean, it looks like his actual beard. Uh, I and I don't know if beard is beardy is good or, or if beardy is is bad. I mean, working it seems good, but uh, his beard is quite beardy. I mean, it is beardy. I it's, also think he's working it, but it is beardy. What if he is both working it and beardy? That's a first. Uh, we he's haven't a, we haven't really done a, a, a working it or beardy before. He's a double threat. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, definitely expect some Lex Luthor in season three. Now I'm kind of interested in uh, see. I was going to watch it any, anyway, but now I'm curious about what Lex Luthor does and how he will uh, uh, put his stamp on the character. Uh, so we'll see what Lex Luthor is up to on Superman and Lois season Three. Well, that is all the news that we have. Do we have any uh, chat mentions that we need to go uh, get to before we go to uh, the Legion Cruiser to time travel? I'm not seeing anything specifically. Okay. I wanted to check until, uh, let's see. Um, Oh, I see that Donna has a comment here. Um, and she says, "Do you did you hear the news about Kyler Lee's new successful Hallmark show, The Way Home, being renewed for a second season?" I did hear that, um, but we did not use that, uh, put that in the news section of this episode. But I guess we can talk about it now. Uh, the, the Pond Time Travel show—it's happening. Uh, the Way Home is uh, going to be back for a season two. That is, uh-huh. exci- I saw it on Instagram. I was excited for them. I was excited for the pond. Uh, I was actually trying to catch up on the season the other day and finally watched episode two. I'm very, very behind and was uh, laughing a lot when she just like jumps into the pond, but then like one time nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The pond a- giveth, the pond taketh away. <laughs> <laughs> the show's actually pretty good. I've been enjoying it. I, I'm I'm behind. I haven't seen this week's episode, but uh, I'm I'm uh, anticipating, uh, enjoying watching it. It's pretty good. It's just a you know family friendly, good wholesome show about jumping into a pond and time traveling back to the '90s, which is arguably one of the best decades. So it's uh, really fun to go back to that era. A weird subplot of the uh, daughter falling in love with a guy in the 90s and then seeing Ooh, him in the future. That's when he's be awkward. <laughs> so that part is a little weird, but uh, it's a pretty well-written <laughs> show, and uh, Kyler Lee's been good in it, and uh, I've uh, quite enjoyed it. So I'm e- excited about where season two goes. We'll see uh, what they get up to with the Landry family on the farm with the time-traveling pond. So... Very exciting. All right. Uh, let's see. I guess we need to uh, buckle up into the Legion Cruiser. We need to go back to March 2016, which was seven years ago. No. <laughs> I, I'm bad at math. math Me too. So let's 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 not think about the number. We're just going to go time travel back to the time when season one, uh, season one, episode 16 Titled Falling was originally airing. 
Okay, we are back in the year 2016, uh, specifically March 14th, 2016, with the episode Falling, which is the 16th episode of season one of Supergirl, uh, which was still airing on the CBS, uh, on the CBS, on CBS at this time. And here is the episode description. Quote, Kara turns on her friends and the citizens of National City after being exposed to red kryptonite makes her malicious and dangerous. Also, a cat appears on the talk to discuss Supergirl. Unquote. Yeah. Uh, so those things are pretty juxtaposed yeah. there in the uh, description. I, I would say they were both equally as important in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is worth noting that the appearance on the talk uh, informs uh, some things that happen uh, later on in the episode because you, you set up the fact that Kat's on the talk talking about how great Supergirl is and maybe that doesn't hold up uh, there towards the end of the episode. So I guess uh, the first thing we should maybe talk about is uh, Kara being affected by red kryptonite. That informs a lot of the show's uh, plot. So Morgan, I'm very curious. What did you think about Red K. Kara? Whoa, Red K. Kara was crazy. Uh, <laughs> I remember this episode mostly because I remember that final scene at the end where she comes out of the red kryptonite and she's like, did I kill anybody? And she starts yeah. crying and it's so brutal. And Melissa Benoist is so good. And I'd honestly kind of forgotten some of the stuff in the between like what what she actually does. And the uh, the slow evolution of Kara into like, evil red k Kara taking over the world Kara is really pretty great like she just my favorite is like the first day that she's like red k Kara and she goes to work and she's just like wearing a completely work appropriate like outfit <laughs> but it's just like not a little skirt and sweater and everybody's like who's that lady <laughs> everyone's like oh my god scandal and i was like is she wearing something different was was fashion so different in 2016 <laughs> uh, i had this was fashion so different in 2016 moment like 10 times this episode because when she goes to der club and uh <laughs> and she shows up and when is uh, and when and james are like i think that's car over there whoa and i was like i can't wait we're gonna see <laughs> this outfit is gonna be banging it's gonna be it's gonna be like really on the the high edge of fashion she's gonna be showing a lot of skin and then it like turns over and she's just in a black sleeveless dress and i was like <laughs> so like something you might get at old navy and like it's tight sure and it is a nice dress but it's not like scandalous and both of them are like girl well i was like is was fashion was it was it different back then was it was that scandalous back then do you think it was the confidence factor that uh she seemed different was it was it the personality of it that was mixing into the that maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't the black dress maybe maybe it was like the whole package she was just like she was just walking with confidence. She was, you know, they they noticed all the way from over there how dark the eyeliner had begun to to get. And they were like, "That's that's only ever meant trouble for me personally." Yeah, I I I thought she looked great. Obviously, in the whole episode, uh, uh, 
Red K Kara had some some fashion. She was really bringing bringing some high fashion in. But I did think it was kind of funny that like as soon as she gets infected with Red K, like slowly her wardrobe goes from like like the color starts to seep out of her wardrobe. So like day one, she's wearing like a black and colors outfit. But but like by night one, it's like all black. And then like by the end, she's like, I'm in a jumpsuit and the jumpsuit is black. <laughs> yeah, she did start off the first outfit that she had. And I guess um, Rachel in the chat asks, uh, are we doing uh, Bold in Her Ballroom for Red I mean, Kara? So we kind of are. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could do that. There was no boardroom or ballroom in season one because there was no uh, Lena Luther. But I, I suppose we could just do it now. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? I think Cara was in some ways channeling her her future friend Lena's like uh, um, gonna put on a black leather jacket and murder some people energy in this episode. She was uh, her shoulders uh, her shoulders were out her shoulders uh, were her clavicle, out the clavicles were out yeah clavicles clavicles were were out that's how you can tell um, she meant business in this it's, one it's how you know she was powerful oh so powerful she was powerful <laughs> up in dirt club she was like let's dance and he was like I kind of don't want to and she was like let's dance um, I thought yeah I thought she had some great looks in this in this episode I thought her first work outfit was really good i thought her club outfit was really good and then at the end she's like you know what this supergirl outfit kind of passe but you know what i want i want like the form-fitting like kind of astra non oh it was so Kryptonian astra yeah. outfits but i also want it i want the comfort and versatility of a tracksuit. And that's, <laughs> I, I don't know how she did it. I don't know where she found it, but girl, she was working this look. Yes, sure. Was it kind of just a plain black tracksuit with like a little S shield on the shoulder? Yeah. But <laughs> but when it came to Red K Kara, she made that fashion. She made it look amazing. When, when uh, Alex comes in, she was like, what are you wearing? She's like, that's right. That's right. This is what I'm wearing. This I've upgraded my look. Oh, are you mad about that? And, and Alex was like, no, I don't really care. And she's like, are you mad about it? I love how, I, I love how Red K Car just starts fights for no reason. Like, no, like literally nobody is saying anything to her. And she's like, what? What? Talk to me about it. And they're like, I didn't. I didn't I'm sorry. I didn't say anything to you, ma'am. She's like, that's right. You didn't. I'm going to shoot a peanut into a liquor bottle. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she says I'm more me than I've ever been. And I I, I think the tracksuit really is a throwback to Argo City Kryptonian comfy culture with uh, the uh, the loungewear. Yeah. So you got your tracksuit uh, pay, pay, paying homage to Argo City's loungewear. Yeah, I like that. It's like it is loungy. It feels like something that you could like hang out in but it's also like form-fitting kind of looks like the the outfits that the other kryptonians wear so it's kind of like 
like powerful i don't know i loved i actually loved this look i was like i don't know oh no am i on red cake Kara's side am, <laughs> I, am i turning to the dark side <laughs> i think it. i just think it was i'm just a big fan of heavy black eyeliner and i was just she was really working it this episode but yeah. i actually speaking of the heavy black eyeliner i i do joke about how whenever a character goes evil the more evil they become the more eyeliner they wear but i thought what was actually interesting from like a hair and makeup standpoint is that her makeup was actually a lot like um a lot like her aunt's um like astra's makeup like the the like sort of the the heavy the heavy eyeliner the sort of like really um really dramatic mascara like the really dramatic um eyelashes like that was it reminded me of how they did laura benanti's eye makeup at when she was Astra and I thought like what a cool callback from like the hair and makeup people to kind of tie that in like as she's becoming evil Supergirl Red K Supergirl she they're making her look more like Astra and she's like she mentions Astra a couple times too because she's obviously still mad but you can kind of see like the dark side of Kara the dark side of Supergirl actually maybe is like a lot like Astra yeah, and um, now I'm wondering if maybe she is wearing Astra's tracksuit because they they sort of bury Astra and then send her into space. So her maybe maybe non before he was like, "I'm going to kill you." Before he said all that, maybe he was like, "Would you like Astra's tracksuit <laughs> as a memory of your aunt?" Maybe she, he gave it to her in the will. She said, "My niece <laughs> would look so good in this," and she under car she did underline so um so i do feel like i need to give this to you but i still hate you and i will murder you but honestly you are going to slay before then <laughs> i i love that that is now my head cannon that's exactly what happened while they were floating up there seeing seeing her uh her little pot off to space <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually really like the look for Red K. Kara, and she does look like Astra, and that I think is probably intentional, um, because she even, not not even just in the appearance with the tracksuit and the makeup and the hair, um, uh, most Benoist, even some of her facial, uh, uh, the way she used her face, her laugh, uh, the way that she um, talked to people, I thought was very aunt astra so she did a really good job she must have been studying laura benanti she she must have known laura benanti's uh aunt astra uh quirks for a while so i think she really channeled her in a, a really great way in this episode yeah the um <clears throat> the chat is also loving the tracksuit uh we have a comment from cm gutierrez who says i actually like the black tracksuit more than the regular supergirl suit um and uh rachel says i would wear that tracksuit to the gym yeah um, i mean it would <laughs> be a great workout suit it would be a great listen it would be a great workout suit you would feel like you were about to take over the world which Kara was <laughs> <laughs> and i see a great comment from hegel blast which i actually didn't know um hegel blast says i remember melissa saying her take on red k supergirl was supposed to be reminiscent of astra uh, so that's cool that I definitely got that in the in the the styling and the performance. Yeah, it's very, very Astra in the way she acts and behaves and looks. Um, in addition to uh, we, we we talked about everything but 
one of other of her outfits, I think, Ooh. which is her cat grant. Oh, so she's channeling she's, she's channeling Aunt Astra, but she's also channeling Cat Grant in this episode. Uh, what did you think about Red K Kara coming into Catco in Cat Grant's elevator with a very cat like look to her? I think this look is everything that I've ever wanted. This look is high fashion. I love her giant sunglasses indoors. Is it still sunny in there? I guess because there's apparently a window in her elevator. Um, would, would the sun bother Supergirl? <laughs> it wouldn't. No, she loves, <laughs> she loves the sun. But she knows that those sunglasses mean I mean business, get out of my way. I love the way that she's just kind of casually holding that coffee cup. Uh, that we, You can tell this is like day two or three of Red K infection because almost almost all the color has been leached out of uh, her outfits at this point. All black. There's a little bit of like black and white cross hatching on her skirt. That's the, that's the way that you can tell there's a little bit of Kara left inside there. <laughs> but uh, I, I love this. I love like the... the the hair being kind of pulled back and severe. She looks like she's about to go walk in in like a runway in Milan. Like she's just like, <laughs> get out of my way, darling. It's me, Anna Wintour. <laughs> and she's got the purse in like the 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 elbow. Yeah, section. like the crook, like the yeah. giant purse. Yeah, just, she's like, just like Cat Grant would have casual casual like she is owning that elevator and she's owning my heart <laughs> <laughs> what nerve to use cat grant's elevator Amazing. that is only reserved for cat grant and i love when cat confronts her about it she's like well it's faster to get here and your coffee is warmer and cat is like that is actually a decent explanation carry on <laughs> she's like i like your moxie but it is getting to be a little bit intimidating <laughs> well i think that has been the boardroom or ballroom section of uh this episode of following and this has been lena luther boardroom or ballroom one thing i do want to ask you about with red cake cara at catco is that um red cake cara seems to like her job yeah <laughs> yeah, well, that's how you know that Red K. Kara is kind like of like, to like, like the dark version of Kara. <laughs> it's like Kara's like, I really regret everything that I did while I was on that Red K, especially caring so much about my job. Uh, no, it is, it is funny. It is funny. So like suddenly she's taking the job seriously. She did work before she got to work and she was prepared when Kat asked a question. Siobhan was like, I don't really know what to do with that. She's she's usually not here until 10, and then she leaves at 1130. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she never comes back. Uh, no, I thought that was really funny. Like, you could tell something is wrong with Kara when she's, like, diligent at work. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny uh, upon my rewatch. Um, so I guess let's talk about Red K. Kara. We've, we've kind of talked about her transformation as a character into this uh, red kryptonite version of Supergirl, which is interesting. I guess we should mention that the red kryptonite in this episode is synthetic and man-made by our good pal and uh, train-loving friend, <laughs> uh, Maxwell Lord. Um, and in the comics, in the Silver Age comics, uh, we've talked about here on Supergirl Radio that red kryptonite was sort of an unpredictable 
kind of a thing, a substance that you would come into contact. If you if you were infected by red kryptonite, you might grow two heads. If you were infected <laughs> by kryptonite, you might turn into a mermaid. Um, so you never knew what red, red kryptonite was going to do to you, but it was temporary. Eventually, it would it would go away. But uh, here on the show on the Supergirl TV series, I think it's more in line with what Smallville did with yeah. red kryptonite, where red kryptonite was more of a, like a it it was uh, brought out your un in your inhibitions and kind of everything that you really thought and you weren't being held back. Yeah, my uh, the Red K episodes of Smallville were always some of my favorite episodes because like Clark would like show up at Lex's mansion and be like, hey, what's up, bro? You want to hang out? And Lex was like, yeah, I would love to hang out. And then like the next day he'd be like, sorry, bro, I was on some drugs. I'll see you later. <laughs> and, like, Lex was like, but we in the calendar, we actually like put like a whole bunch of like hangout, like hangout dates together. Is that is that not happening? And Clark's like, see, check you later. Uh, <laughs> Red K Clark was the best friend, even though he was <laughs> often just jaunting off to Metropolis to do crimes, to do to rob banks, and things. but he was always down to hang. That's the thing. <laughs> he was never busy, never too busy for you. Um, but yeah, I thought the the idea of it being like synthetic kryptonite was interesting because I do think that like at a certain point, if they had gone the Smallville route, because I think Smallville did like every available kind of kryptonite so so much kryptonite on that show. so much kryptonite and then the, it does and, get... and the the premise of the show was based in kryptonite that <laughs> there was true. so much kryptonite in smallville it's that just it everywhere to it's everywhere and he never moved uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh i i think it does get like a little hokey at some point when they're like oh no it's silver kryptonite so i like the explanation for like i tried to make some kryptonite I did an oopsies. Um, <laughs> and now I've destroyed us all. Uh, I like that when Maxwell Lord comes in, he's like hands up and he's just like walking in. He's like, so I did a bad thing, <laughs> but I'm sorry. <laughs> Alex is like immediately enraged. She's like, I knew it was you. <laughs> it was perplexing to me, though, that he was like, I didn't expect Supergirl to be there uh, to save the firemen when things went down and they needed help. Like, what? So you didn't think the Supergirl was going to be there to save some firemen? Uh, it was. Yeah, I'll be honest. Weird. I didn't follow his his plan. He was like, I I made what I thought was kryptonite, <laughs> um, and then I was going to kill the Kryptonians by putting it like on a building roof question mark question mark question mark profit yeah. and I was, it's like i think that the middle part of that was real hazy to me um could you go back and explain that to no me no wonder Denver? it didn't go well he's like i cannot actually don't rewind no don't you rewind <laughs> just go forward with the episode which is what i did i was like i knew that's what not what he wanted me to do so i was not clear on his plan at all i was like I don't really get how you get from like I, I planted it on this building to the building burning down. That wasn't part of his plan, he says. He's like, I didn't think anybody would get hurt. Like, so did you mean for the building to burn down? Or did the building burn down by accident? How did the fire get into it? And he's like, Shh <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really follow that too much either. I just kind of uh figured, okay, Maxwell was trying to kill Nan. That was his plan to kill Nan. It went right. Yeah. That's all I got. Exactly. I was like, I don't understand how his how his plan to kill Anon 
would have made any sense if it didn't become like a red kryptonite episode. Like, <laughs> so I put, so what I've been doing is just like hiding kryptonite around, <laughs> around National City, kind of like an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and I figure, I figure that eventually one of those Kryptonians are just going to like oopsies into a pile of kryptonite and they'll die. And that'll be all me, baby. And you're like, wait that how is that a plan he's like shh it's fine it's okay <laughs> i didn't expect it to the kryptonite to blow up I'm like like how wait, how did the fire start like i don't understand any aspect of this plan i would have to go back and rewatch that <laughs> i was looking in my notes to see if i had details about that but i did not i just have uh maxwell made synthetic kryptonite uh was under some rubble at a fire rescue <laughs> yeah, and like, that he what? tried to kill non that's all i wrote down so i actually don't know if anybody has any uh, uh, so i see in the chat i see uh, a theory uh hegel blast says my take on that he didn't mean for the building to burn down he was hoping for the evil evil kryptonians to fly by and get exposed but like wouldn't that wouldn't that have to assume and i'm again i'm too far down the rabbit hole and i understand that nobody <laughs> nobody wanted anybody to think this too hard this hard about it wouldn't that assume that like the radius of kryptonite is like huge like if you had like one little chunk of kryptonite and you just like hit it hit it under a thing on a building roof and you're like i got him um wouldn't that kryptonite's radius have to be incredibly large for like something flying through to be like like well, a Kryptonian on the move to just like die. Do we know how much he made of it though? I don't think we do. I mean, it he, was a hunk, but he he may have had some more what, somewhere. What if it turns out discover. that there's like hunks of red kryptonite like on every roof in the whole city? <laughs> <laughs> but the but the radius is like two feet, so they'll never know. Unless Kara ends up like stopping there at some point in the future, you could end up having Red K Kara a lot. <laughs> she could be, uh, she could be uh, reappearing multiple times. They need to get like sweepers to go over to every building now and like take the Red K away. He's like, again, my bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, Maxwell Lord remembered where he put all of that because uh, you know it's it. it uh, you likened it to an Easter egg hunt. What if you forgot where you had put you had hidden the and eggs? You always, you always forget one. You find it much much later. <laughs> so yeah, he would need to uh, remember that. Uh, Sim Gutierrez seventy four says, if the evil Kryptonians were exposed to the Red K, would it make them even more evil? Hmm, that's a good question. Yeah, because, I mean, like, for example, Rain in season three, she she pretty much said what she thought. I don't know that yeah. Rain was really holding anything back. What if the evil Kryptonians got exposed to the Red K and they were like, yeah, I just feel the same. Although I do really want to dress up a little bit more. Like, <laughs> what, if, what if Nan shows up and he just has so much black eyeliner on, but, like, <laughs> but otherwise is exactly the same. He just, like, shows up like Billy Idol and you're like none you got a, a different look and he's like yeah she's felt fancy today i don't know or, or maybe he looks like billy idol but he's really friendly oh he's yeah, really what? encouraging to people <laughs> what if it does the opposite if you're evil it like turns you <laughs> nice he's like hey guys i just wanted to let you know that like i just really love how dedicated you guys are to like the cause of good like obviously i'm evil obviously obviously but you guys are so great <laughs> I like that a little bit better just because it would be, you, you would still have the look, 
Yeah. You could, you could still have the goth emo Kryptonians. <laughs> the goth, yes, exactly. But the goth emo Kryptonians. But they're like overly nice. And yeah. Friendly. I mean, Nan's already really committed to like the uh, like head to toe black look, like he's Michael Kors or something. So I don't know, like, like outfit wise, how you would tell that it was mm. like Red K Nan. So he would have to do something dramatic with his like hair. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like a, he, or maybe he wears like a suit and tie. Maybe he's oh, or yeah, like a, like maybe. a polo shirt. He gets or really for, or maybe he becomes like one of those guys that wish it was the fifties, and he gets like really into fedoras. What if he has like an ascot or whatever? Yes, his <laughs> he's like constantly like cosplaying like he's a like John dressing Draper. like Fred Astaire. Yes, <laughs> yes. 1940s, 1950s. What if? What if he he really goes into like a whole Fred Astaire thing and he like tap dances into every scene? <laughs> I would be. What if Red K Kryptonite just makes you have to like sing and dance if you are if you're evil, you have to become a musical villain. What if that's <laughs> Sign me up. I, I like I like all of these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, we uh, need to talk about uh, Red K. Kara and the way she interacted with some folks on the show because it was pretty significant. Everybody was like, oh, something's not right with Kara. Something is significantly wrong with her. Um, so let's talk about Alex first because this, this was back when the show had a big focus on the Danvers sisters. And it is oh, uh, yeah. personally, in my opinion, uh, so fun to watch because of it. Um, and so this was a really uh, big episode for uh, Cara and Alex's relationship. So what did you think, Morgan, about how Red K. Cara interacted with Alex? Yeah, I really liked the um, <clears throat> like the car, the Red K car and Alex interactions because I really thought like in season one especially they they really wrote that relationship so well and so like realistically and layered where like just like any relationship with a, a close family member or like a close friend like you love them but sometimes you don't like them so much and sometimes there are like resentments in the relationship and I think you know, by having that Red Kang kind of going a little bit evil and taking out all of her inhibitions. And I think she describes it at the end of the episode as it was every bad thing she's ever thought um, that she ends up saying. But that, uh, as Alex says, like, yeah, but some of it was true. And I think she really got Alex on, you know, Alex's insecurities. Like, she really knew where to hit Alex where it hurts. And I think she really did say some stuff that, like a, a more like she believed in a way, but like a probably a softer version, like that Alex is a little controlling. Um, I think she would say, but like Red K Car was like, you're just trying to control me. And like once I became Supergirl, you made me work for you. And I, I, I remember <laughs> I was watching it and I went, oh, yeah, you know what? She's Fair point. point. She's got a point. <laughs> uh, and I think she says one thing that was like super hurtful, which is she said, like, if I was gone, like, what would you do with your life, essentially? Oh, yeah. And I thought that is so brutal because it is kind of the crux of Alex's character, but it's also kind of like the the worst way to hurt her is like she spent so much of her life protecting Kara. It's kind of why she got into her profession. But I do think that she worries that she's like hung too much of her identity on Kara. And there's Kara telling her, yeah, exactly. You did. You're nothing without me. And I thought that that was like, oh, man, talk about like juicy drama, like the kind of like 
interpersonal like relationship layer stuff that you like to see on tv and like in these characters and with such good actresses too i i really i really liked that they had this episode and they like allowed Kara to be nasty honestly and to and to tell people like the things that she would probably skirt around telling them um just to kind of tell them right to their face and i thought that was like that was so interesting like when she when she tells cat like essentially like oh you think you're so powerful but you're nothing like yeah. i thought i was like whoa because i mean honestly supergirl is the most powerful person she doesn't you know she uses it to defend people and to help people but she works for this person who like makes her go fetch coffee like like cat grant is making the most powerful person in national city like reheat her noonan's uh order every day and so i thought it was interesting to see that resentment bubble up from her and her be like well you know you're you're kind of playing at being the most powerful person but we both know it's me and i thought that that was really interesting her go saying like essentially like i decide who lives or dies and that's real power i went holy moly that was that was a scary moment i thought like and melissa benoist really really sold that and it's true. If if you had the power to decide who lived and died, you would have control over everyone. Everyone would be uh, hoping that you spared them. Um, but I think what's remarkable about Cat Grant especially is, and I guess Alex to a degree, they both sort of stood up to Red Kekara in their own ways, even though she was saying some pretty nasty stuff to them. Um, and they both almost died because of it. They were probably oh, yeah. uh, life-threatening situations where Red K. Kara could have killed them. Um, so uh, that it was pretty severe. Uh, and I think those are the two closest relationships that Kara has on the show with Cat uh, Grant and Alex Danvers. And so for for her to do that to them, especially, I think was really, really. Well, she went for the jugular with the two of them, I think. Um, and uh, especially with Alex, she says, um, <clears throat> deep down, you hate me. And that's why you killed my aunt. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, that uh, was brutal, too. Yeah. So she she uh, she thinks that Alex hates her, which is uh, which is probably not in not uh, uh, helping her with her feelings about Alex. So, yeah, the Red K. Kara and Alex stuff was pretty, pretty severe. Um, because by the end of it, Alex, she uh, almost gets killed by Red K. Kara, but uh, ends up with a, still a broken bone. Yeah. Um, she was still injured. And I think Kara, that probably broke Kara up about that more than anything, is that she physically hurt her sister. Um, so that was, uh, for me, that scene that, that you mentioned before where Kara starts crying. She wonders if she'd killed anybody. And, and when she uh, notices that Alex's uh, arm is in a sling, uh, that, that really breaks me up. That's, that's, a, that's a hard one to watch, but so, so good. Um, and I guess since we uh, have sort of mentioned the, uh, the moment where Red K. Kara almost kills Alex, we should probably talk about John in this episode because he does something pretty momentous to save Alex. So what did you think about um, John having to deal with Red K. Kara and ultimately having to make the decision to out himself as Martian Manhunter and sort of revealing himself? Oh, and it looks like we may have lost 
Morgan for a second. So we'll see if she uh, pops back on. Uh, she might be having some technological issues. Uh, so I'll hop into the chat in the time uh, being here. Team Gutierrez, so 74, who says, it is my understanding that Kryptonians on Earth are stronger than Green Martians. However, Jean seems to have defeated Kara rather handedly. Did the Red K weaken Kara? That's a good question. Um, my thought is that, well... Kryptonians and Green Martians have very similar powers, um, but they have different, uh, they do have different powers. Uh, Green Martians can um, do more things psychically than Kryptonians can, um, but I think Kryptonians have more sensory powers. Um, so there are differences there. Um, that's a really good question about Jean defeating Kara. He might have just, it might have been an adrenaline thing. You know, you hear those stories about uh, like pregnant moms who have like, a, what do they call it? Some sort of adrenaline rush if they have to like save their children or something. Pregnancy strength maybe is what they call it on uh, uh, the great TV classic playing house. Um, so maybe it's one of those things where Jean knew he had to save Alex and he just channeled all of his strength into uh, hopping into that fight. So it could have been just like an adrenaline, maybe, maybe green Martians have like a supercharged uh, adrenaline that goes when they uh, need to get into action. So um, yeah, I don't know. They fought each other. I mean, to, to red K Kara's credit, she like uppercut punched him into a building. So I don't know so much about how he was weakened, but it was a pretty fairly uh, equal fight, I think. Um, so it looks like uh, Morgan is maybe back in action. I didn't kick you out, did I? No, accidentally. Um, if you check your if you check I your text, I, I, I my saw computer it. fully blue screened of death. In just, yeah. just oh, our 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 pictures kind of froze, and I went, hmm, that's weird. And then the next thing, I <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, no, it happens. It I was happens. like, oh, that's bad. Uh, it, as long as one of us is still on here, it's exactly. Okay. <laughs> we'll just continue on. <laughs> Appreciate you vamping for me. <laughs> well, uh, the chat was giving me some good thoughts. I played a little feeding the ducks. Oh, uh, nice. I, was able, I was able to play a little uh, generic uh, stream yard music. Uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Oh, it's my favorite. <laughs> That's right. We're back. <laughs> I don't know. Should we, should we do the stream with? Well, we shouldn't do like our all of our episodes of like music in the background. <laughs> it might be distracting, but I do love feed the dust. <laughs> yeah. So um, we probably shouldn't do that. That would actually probably drive me crazy but it's <laughs> yeah, it's good too. for I it's would, good for vamping music i would just be like dancing the whole time just like slowly <laughs> uh Hegelboss in the chat says i didn't rewatch the episode for this but i do wonder if the red k just made car reckless leaving herself open to defeat by a more calculating opponent like mm. john that is a good thought because i think red k Kara, she um by that by that time that uh she almost killed her sister she was pretty full of herself she was uh, yeah. pretty overly confident. So I would say that she was reckless for sure. I think he kind of took her by surprise too. I don't think she was expecting to have to fight like full Martian Manhunter John Jones. And then, so I think he had the element of surprise on her for sure. Yes, agreed. 
Um, and we haven't really talked too much about the the Red K Kara James stuff. And I guess, well, I guess we've talked about Red K Kara because she she hopped up in the club and she was in that club. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but we haven't really talked about Kara after she comes out of Red Kryptonite, and she and James have a conversation about feelings. And uh, things are awkward. So what did yeah. you think about Carr having to come to terms with how she uh, acted with James? Yeah, the the James thing in the club and then the, the scene later just kind of brought home to me like those uh, the characters didn't have a ton of chemistry because here here is Kara, like the most in, uh, uninhibited version of Kara and she like she has her eyes on the prize. This is the guy she <laughs> has a crush on. And I did not. I expected that club scene to be like a little bit more sexy. Like I expected it to have like some more tension, like unresolved sexual tension. Some some USC in there. I was thinking about like other shows I've seen that have done kind of this thing. And usually, yeah, yeah. Usually there's like, oh, what's going on? But <laughs> it, in this, like the dialogue was telling me that that's what I should be feeling and and seeing. But like the performances didn't quite get me. Didn't quite get there. I just don't feel like those two characters had like a ton of chemistry, um, or at least they didn't in that club scene. Maybe maybe James was just so weirded out by <laughs> like how she was trying to be sexy. And he was like, "Ma'am, please, please, ma'am, <laughs> this is an Arby's." It was it was a little yeah. There were some strange vibes in that. Also, she like almost hurt him a couple of times, which was like not something I would think about, but I think it's supposed to show you that she's like not remembering to be as careful with her strength as she usually is to like pull herself back when she goes to, he starts to walk away and she grabs him. He's like, ow. Yeah. Uh, so she, yeah. I mean, you don't want a Kara who's forgotten that she's a hundred times stronger than you <laughs> going to grab your arm. That is no. not going to be fun for you. Bad news. But yeah. I, I did think that like, the end of the episode, he was maybe a little bit too harsh on her. Like, there there are a lot of characters in this episode who have some real reasons to be pretty mad about the things she said and the things she did. James has barely a leg to stand on. Like, the only thing she said was, like, um, Lucy Lane is, like, the, the, poor, the man's poor man's lowest, lowest lane. lane. And pretty much that's it like she was just like she didn't know what she had which is arguably a compliment to james uh, <laughs> and then she was like just trying to dance up on him which like i guess how dare you like what <laughs> and so and i mean i feel like it should have been pretty obvious based on like what you know based on that whole interaction that uh, evil Kara just let slip that good Kara has a crush on you, which I understand like he might not feel the same way or he might feel conflicted about what his feelings are, but he was kind of like, how dare you even talk to me? There was like a weird undercurrent in that scene where it wasn't so much of like, I think we were supposed to be getting um, like that he wasn't sure how he felt about her and he didn't want to have to address how he might feel about her. But it seemed like he was just really mad at her. And I was like, he like he threw Cat Grant, she threw Cat Grant off of a building. 40 and stories. At, 40, and at the end of the episode, Cat <laughs> was like, Yeah, sure, hang out. We can be chill. Um, 
kind of mad at you, but that's fine. Uh, I denounced you as a villain to the entire city, but and, sure, hang out on sure, my balcony. I mean, I mean, yeah, I also like to look at the lights. Uh, no, but I thought... <laughs> I liked their scene at the end, but like she was way more understanding than James. And like the worst thing that Kara did to James was like vaguely insult his ex-girlfriend and try to dance up on him. Like I just I was like, I don't understand what what's happening here, James. Like, why are you so mad at her? (laughs) Aaron in the chat says uh, she and James after the conversation uh, was kind of like her and Alex's conversation with some truth being told. Uh, from what she said so there was a little truth that was going on and Kara almost like came out and said like I I think she was gonna tell him like yeah I'm in love with you I think she was going to tell him that truth I don't think he needed to hear that I I feel like Red K Kara pretty much told him that already so I I don't know I think James is trying to deal with his feelings for Kara and so he just didn't want to have to do with uh deal with that uh, because as Cian Gutierrez 74 says in the chat that he just had a breakup and heartbroken about Lucy and James is in no place to respond to aggressive Ray K Cara nor apologetic normal Cara. So maybe he just needed some time to deal with it. So I can, I can understand uh, all of it, but it was pretty awkward to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like there was, I, I kind of got what they were trying to get with the scene, but like, I don't know if it was performance or if it was the writing of the scene. Something just didn't quite hit me because I was like, everybody else is is kind of like, yeah, I'm still mad about what you did when you were on Red K, but like I'm getting over it. And then James was just like flouncing out of the room. I was like, I mean, compared to almost murder, I feel like your situation wasn't as bad. <laughs> 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 um but i do see aaron i i did you bring this one up i don't know but um yeah 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 that you know there was some truth in what she said and aaron does point out she did almost break his shoulder so yes not so not so great i think i also think that he does realize that he has feelings for her and he doesn't want her to tell him that she likes him too in this way. Like I, that's maybe part of what it was because I don't know if I was like, if I really liked somebody and I wanted them to, you know, and I thought, Oh, they, they, maybe they have feelings for me too. I probably wouldn't want to learn that in like a conversation where she's like, I'm sorry about the aggressive way I danced up on you, (laughs) uh, insulted your ex-girlfriend and almost broke your shoulder. That was bad of me. Also, I love you. I feel like that's (laughs) not not the time nor the place, not the moment I'd want to learn that information. So that is fair. Yeah, so uh, lots of awkward things. Kara uh, had to make things right with people by the end. A lot of uh, work that she's going to have to do uh, to the people in her her sphere of influence, uh, but also to National City. We'll see how National City responds to uh, Supergirl after this, uh, because, I mean, Cat Grant went on national TV, called her a villain, and said to stay away from Supergirl. Yeah, so uh, everybody knows what Supergirl has uh failed to do in terms of uh succumbing to her darker her darker side she um, also destroyed that bar with those peanuts uh and that, she, and she sort of went to the middle of town and was like i am your god now so <laughs> that's gonna be a hard thing to recover from to be honest pe- people are gonna have uh, some issues i think mm. they're gonna have some questions um uh, I think one thing we didn't talk about in our discussion was uh, Siobhan. 
who oh. is uh, still working at Catco, and uh, something pretty major happens to her that might send her to the dark side. Uh, so what did you think about Cat Grant uh, telling her to uh, leave Catco and uh, not even to expect a job at the Daily Planet either? Yeah, I thought that was uh, I thought that was very mischievous on Red K Carr's part. She she knows that Siobhan is up to something. And then she sends Siobhan on an errand and then like reads her email where she's trying to send a scoop to Perry White. Listen, you can't do that. Uh, mm -hmm. That is going to absolutely get you fired. Like, I'm sorry. I have no uh, sympathy for Siobhan in this situation. Like, that is literally like corporate espionage almost. <laughs> it's like you, you're taking proprietary information that you have working for your competitor and then trying to give it to their competitor. Like, you can't do that. It's You just can't do that. And uh, yeah, I mean... Cat was like, yeah, you might think that you can like waltz over to the Daily Planet and get a job. But I talked to Perry White and he doesn't want like a little snake like that either. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was a it was a pretty brutal firing, um, but it was kind of it was she deserved, deserved just, it. Yeah, you literally just can't do that. I'm sorry. Like, that's just not a cat was well within her rights to fire her. Now, I think there could be an argument. Did Red K Kara? do the right thing by like completely outing her in that sneaky way to cat mm. should she maybe talk to siobhan first maybe regular so, car would have but so so let's say that siobhan becomes a villain on the show maybe do you think that cat grant or red k cara got her there I think Red K Kara got her there because I think that regular Kara would have confronted her and would have show, said, you're doing the wrong thing and had gave her the opportunity to reconsider her actions. But Kat just did what like literally any boss would have done in that situation. <laughs> like maybe she did it in kind of a harsh way. She didn't say that she like blacklisted her from every publication, just that she blacklisted her from the one she was trying to shop a story out to. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really blame Kat on this one. It's like, uh, can't do that. It's very unprofessional, Siobhan. You should know that you had a whole like 10, five, 10 year plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think one of her goals was to basically be Cat Grant. So yeah. I think if Cat Grant uh, responded so harshly to her, that might have also been uh, not great for her ego. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a twofer, really. I, I can't decide whether I think it was maybe Kat or Red K. Kara who pushed her over to the dark side. But I think the fact that she's gone from, from Catco now, I think, is uh, not great for her mental health. I don't <laughs> Things think Things so. are going to take a, a turn for the worst. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, uh, you know, because I don't have hindsight because I'm here in the past. But Oh, yeah, that's if, right. We're still in 2016. We don't uh, know. We have not watched the trailer for next week. Here in 2016, I think that, like, this might cause her to do something crazy. Like, I don't know weird makeup or like kiss makeup maybe perhaps and like i don't know i don't who knows what what she could possibly do but i think it's gonna i think it's gonna set her down a dark path whatever it is it's gonna be over the top i think and um it's it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun i think um so the the last thing i want to ask you morgan the last question i want to ask you about this episode is what do you think the red cake Kara aspects of this episode. What do you think that says about 
actual real Supergirl. What what do you take Ooh. away from from the the getting to see this more evil side of Supergirl? How, what do you what do you, how does that uh, uh, help you understand the character of Supergirl? I think it helps you understand like the dark side of Supergirl. I think she says it to Cat Grant when they're on the balcony before she throws her off the balcony, forty <laughs> stories down. Um, <laughs> That she's like, she's not a Girl Scout and that everyone has a dark side. And Kat says, like, not you. You're not allowed to have one. But I think that anyone would struggle with that. I think, you know, the idea that she knows that she has to be a role model and she knows that she has to be a force of good and a force of hope in this world. She's given, she will give so many hope speeches. In so her many. Life. I don't know. So many. She, has, she, has she yet so far? I don't. I know she will. Well. Just I on would, small scales, I think. <laughs> I, I would assume that maybe in the series, the season finale that we haven't seen yet. I assume that's, <laughs> that's the time in which maybe yeah, a she hope might, speech would be Yeah, good. there might be a hope speech in her future. Maybe several, maybe six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think... I think, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on anyone to kind of be like, you have to be good all the time. And so I think it kind of shows us that like Supergirl and Kara really like do the uh, maybe do the Lena Luther, put it all in a little box, lock it up and don't think about it. Um, it'll never blow up in your face. There will be no repercussions for this. <laughs> it'll be um, totally fine. <laughs> method of therapy um, with their feelings. And I think, uh, I think for Supergirl, it's like, you know, she can't be, you know, she can't be petty. She can't be rude. She can't be mean. She can't say sometimes unkind things to people or stand up to people. And so I think we start to see like a little bit of some of the undercurrents of the things that she's pushed down and pushed down and hasn't dealt with in like a healthy way. And then when the red K hits her all of a sudden, it's every single thing she's ever been mad about, but pushed to the side because she has to be the bigger person suddenly comes up. I think that's that I, I liked the idea of this episode being like, Supergirl being scary because of how repressed she kind of is and because of how she feels like she always has to be a role model and she can't be a normal person who has bad days sometimes. And uh, and what that would do to you if then all of a sudden all of those bad feelings got unleashed all at once. <laughs> I, I like that it says something about how good Supergirl actually is, that she is able to keep herself in check because it sounds like the way she explains it to Alex at the end is that she experienced all of those things. She just couldn't stop it. And so I think normally Supergirl stops those bad things. She's able to keep that in check. And so to me, that makes me think, you know, how good is Supergirl? I mean, how she is able to um, have those bad thoughts. She probably still, even when she's not right, K Car, she probably still has bad thoughts. She probably says nasty things about people uh, in her head, and she probably still has bad thoughts about uh, situations and other people. But she's able to uh, channel that in a, a good way that um, that she can normally handle. And so the fact that she couldn't fight back, that she couldn't stop it. Um, in that red case scenario when she normally can uh, keep that in check. That, it just makes me think about how good Supergirl really is. 
Um, so I really like this episode because it does, I think, demonstrate that. So I, I, I don't know. What are, what are your overall thoughts about this episode? What, what, do, you, what do you think about this in terms of um, season one here? Yeah, I think this episode was was really good. It's one of the episodes when I think back to season one that I remember. Um, and again, all we've been watching going through season one. And I've just keep on being like, oh, my God, this one's a banger, too. I can't <laughs> believe all these episodes are so good. But this one, you know, if you would ask me like a little like a year ago, you know, what are some episodes you remember from season one? This would have been on that list definitely and if maybe if only for that scene at the end where she wakes up from you know the 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 red k experience and she starts crying and she asks if she killed anybody and she says that she was so horrible i thought that scene her acting in particular but all like, melissa's acting and kyler's acting in that scene and you know the 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 bond between the sisters and how kyler says uh or how alex says you know, I'll always be your sister. I'll always love you. But yeah, there was some real stuff that you said to me. Like it didn't all come out of nowhere. And the idea that I think that that it's so powerful when Kara uh, says or Supergirl says it was every bad thing I'd ever thought. Like that is so scary because I think we all have, you know, bad thoughts and we all think uh, crappy things sometimes. And, and then we like say to ourselves like that's not nice. But imagine if every bad thing you'd ever thought like, immediately came out of your mouth and you couldn't stop it. Uh, and that's kind of the the situation that she was dealing with. And like it just escalated and gotten worse and worse. And I thought that that was really like that was really powerful. I thought this was such a good episode. And M Melissa, such a good acting like acting episode for Melissa because she gets to do like the slow gradual <laughs> slide into like I'm going to rule the world by the end like she starts out just being kind of like a bad version of Kara and she ends up really mustache twirling villain like scary villain and I think Melissa did such a good job I would love to actually see her play like a, a villain villain in the future I think she would do a good job yeah, you mentioned that sort of that slow burn into villainy. I think if that if that situation had happened to me, that would probably like if it really happened, I think that probably would be the way it would go. It would be like this is kind of fun at first. I get to tell people off that I've always wanted to tell mm -hmm. off and uh, do the things that I want to do. And by the end of it, it would get a little scary because it would get out of hand and get out of control. Uh, so I think that the way they played that was uh, actually probably pretty true to how it would probably go if it actually did happen um the the biggest surprise to me uh when re-watching this episode was uh finding out who wrote this episode did you uh see I, who the writers of this episode i did were? see the writers of this episode so this was written by robert rovner and jessica queller who would later go on to be the showrunners of Supergirl starting in, I want to say season four. Well, the end of season three. Oh, the end of season three. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that was surprising to me. So I don't want to be unkind, uh, but you know, they some of the seasons that they were in charge of weren't always my favorite in terms of like where the story went or how how it progressed. But like it, it they they had a good they had a good handle on the character it seems like back in season one yeah i just i was so surprised by how like this episode was so focused on supergirl and that's why some part of why i 
enjoy it so much because it was good, good uh, car material. And uh, in later seasons, they didn't seem to really want to explore the character. So I was really shocked by it. I was like, oh my gosh, this really excellent Supergirl episode focusing on Supergirl was written by Jessica Queller and Robert Rovner. I was so shocked. Um, so uh, that I, I don't know. I have no real commentary, just surprise. Yeah, I was that's, like, oh, that's okay. different. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, I think it shows that they had a good take on the character. So maybe it was... Maybe it was just like show running. We weren't as real fan of, but uh, but this is a, this was an excellent episode, and they did a really good job with the, the. I think the writing, you know, even taking the um, performances aside, the writing on this episode I thought was really good. Yeah. So, uh, uh, a, a shock in a good way, I guess, uh, for me, uh, Morgan. I think maybe while we are here, uh, so shall we do some snap judgments? Because we didn't I think get to we do those shall. in season one, because there there were no snaps. Well, there weren't yeah. snaps in, in any season. <laughs> we we never got those snaps. No, <laughs> but uh, Snap Card did not appear until season two. So uh, maybe we should do some uh, snap judgments while we're here. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So our first snap judgment, <laughs> which, situ si yeah, which situation was more awkward? Car walking in on Wynn and Siobhan or Cat Grant making an appearance? on the view <laughs> i think you can tell that this was like a really strong episode because we did not talk about the absolutely weird uh the view uh cross promotional cbs tie-in in this episode and it was odd <laughs> <laughs> like they had all the all the only person who felt like they were a natural human being unsurprisingly was like aisha tyler who is an actress <laughs> who was able to do it but everyone else was like hello cat grant you're a definitely a real person and the, <laughs> national city is a real place we all live what you're a person of the year how about that <laughs> like i was like uh, they're on TV every day. And I think it really goes to show that acting is definitely a different art than just like is being a, yourself. It's a developed on skill. Yeah. It is a developed skill because uh, some of those line readings were painful. <laughs> so Even with, though Sarah Gilbert was on yes. there and she's an actual actress. And that was not good. It was not good. <laughs> <laughs> so which was, was more awkward? That or Kara uh, catching Wynn and Siobhan in the, uh, like, the, the what was it, storage closet? Poor Kara. She's walked in on a couple <laughs> of people at CatCo. They need to be more professional at this workplace. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, I'm going to actually uh, say The View. Because the awkwardness between Cat Grant and Sharon Osbourne. It was so awkward, but I also wanted to see more of it. I'm, <laughs> I'm sad that we didn't get to see more of it. I want a backstory, like a backstory about their their feud, their <laughs> passive aggressive feud. It was so funny. It was so funny because Calista Flockhart is so good in this role and so perfect. And she is doing a hundred. She is being a hundred percent cat grant. And everyone around her is just dying up there. I've never seen anything, <laughs> never seen anything like it. It was the best thing I've ever seen. But it was one of the more awkward moments of television I've seen recently. So what are you going with? 
Uh, definitely the more, uh, that was the more awkward situation. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I felt like I was watching that through my hands. <laughs> yeah, that was good times. Um, okay, which interaction with Red K Kara would be worse? This is Her- this is for you, oh, not for necessarily me. for the character it happened to. Which okay. would be worse for you? Okay, her heat visioning your clothes or throwing you off of a balcony. <laughs> so either you have no wardrobe. Oh no, or you come close to death. Oh, is oh. the choice. I have so many cute outfits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, she saves me at the end, though. <laughs> but like, you don't have any clothes. All your clothes are burned. She saves me at the end when I fall off the balcony. So, and then my clothes are okay. I don't, uh, no, I don't know. No, but your your clothes are on fire. No, no. It's which is worse. Either oh, which is worse. Yeah. Either she's destroying all your clothes. Yes. Okay. Or so she's you're... throwing you off a balcony. So I'm wondering yeah. how bad getting thrown off of a balcony would be. Because I have like, a lot of... <laughs> It would take like a lot of money to replace my whole wardrobe, but mm. that I don't know. What 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 are you what are you going with? I think being thrown off the balcony because uh, over the course of my life, I've had this slow descent into acrophobia, which is a fear of heights. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was the actual like term for it. I yeah, think I it's don't, acrophobia. I don't the, like only, it. the only reason I think it's acrophobia is because that's what a ride at Six Flags is called. And the, the ride is a ride that you oh. go up to the top and it like drops you. So I think acrophobia is... It's not arachnophobia. That's fear. That's of what I thought you were saying. And I was like, and, oh, when uh, did the spiders uh, come into this? <laughs> Agoraphobia is, is that thing that um, Steve Martin had when he was on 30 Rock, where he didn't oh, like yeah. his, he doesn't his like house. Going outside. Yeah. 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 That's different. So I think acrophobia is fear of heights. Ah. And so uh, over the, I, I think it started when I was like in seventh grade when I went up to the top of the CN tower in Toronto and there was like oh. a, a glass floor that you could walk on. And I was like, no, thank you. Uh, that's scary. And I think that's where it started. And then over the course of my life, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And so if I was on the top of Catco and then I was thrown off of it, feed into my acrophobia. So I think for me, it would be being thrown off a balcony. Yeah. I mean, as much as I, as much as I love my wardrobe, it could be like a fun opportunity to buy new things. <laughs> True. You would have a justification. I, who could blame me for getting a whole bunch of new clothes? Supergirl destroyed my wardrobe. However, <laughs> when every time I've been on the, um, the Walt Disney World, the Tower of Terror. Yes. I've come off of it shaking and in a cold sweat so, so you I, were terrified it didn't it did was not good for me we went yeah. i went on i went on that ride years ago like maybe in high school with some friends and it was like when the drops went and i didn't realize that they had randomized the drops because when oh, i yeah. went when i was little there were like three big drops and i was like there was like two little drops and a big drop and i was like oh, i can do that and then i got on i did not know that the drops were random and it felt like it was never going to end but like apparently everybody would scream and then it would get quiet and i would go eh. <laughs> <laughs> my friends were like are you okay i got <laughs> off and they were like morgan are you okay you look really pale and i was like sweating i was pale and i was shaking a little bit and i was like no i'm I'm good. I really, I'm glad I faced my fear and I did that. 
<laughs> so, but I would never go on it again. So I think uh, getting thrown off the building would be worse. Yeah, it, it is a, a pretty bad way to go, <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, new Rachel in the chat says, if you if she threw you off a balcony, it would be the same scenario as what happened to poor OG Kelly. We don't oh. we don't know about this, New Rachel. We're still in March. I don't know what they mean. Sixteen. I have no idea what you're talking. Does something about. happen to Kelly, our best uh, friend? Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, no spoilers here. In Super I mean, Radio I'm sure, uh, the last I saw Kelly, she was pitching a great, uh, a great piece about uh, fashion. Cr crushed velvet. Crushed velvet. And I think that she's going to go far in her career. Right? Yeah, like, she's she's really going to go to the top. She's going go. straight to the top. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think those are going to be all of our snap judgments for this episode about Fallen. No judgments on your snap judgments. And I guess I never put it together. Maybe that's also part of the reason that this episode is titled Falling. Is it Cat Grant Falls? Oh, yeah. I think, I think it's about falling for Supergirl because she... She metaphorically, metaphor, metaphorically falls from grace. Yeah, I that's, guess. but I like that it works on two levels. Yeah. So maybe there's a lot of falling uh, involved in that title. There was. Yeah. Um, so we got some listener feedback. So Daryl wrote in to say, I absolutely love Supergirl coming to Laura's, the little girl being bullied in the schoolyard. That um, was cute. I wish we had had more of that, that was kind so of cute. thing. Um, I love her coming to Laura's defense. That kindness is when she's at her best. Uh, a Kim and Kanye reference. The problem with any show trying to ride, ride the pop culture wave is that it looks incredibly dated on rewatch, which I will agree. I cringed at that reference as well, Daryl. There uh, was also a uh, punked reference with Ashton yeah, Kutcher. Yeah. And I was like, how many people in the, I me mean, in 2016 is wondering how many people in like, for example, 2023 would know the, TV show punked. Yeah, I mean that honestly, aired back when I think I was in college. That was gonna be my my joke is that that was a that was a dated reference in 2016. So yeah. as you can imagine, it did not get any fresher in 2023. Uh, that's always the uh, the downside of being uh, like pop culture driven. Is like you watch it years later and you're like, what? uh <laughs> let me go look that up what was that about uh yeah there's a there's some like younger people probably that will be watching it in the future going like what's punked who's ashton kutcher who's who's an ashton kutcher uh so that'll be fun uh, <laughs> uh daryl says i must say i like Kara's casual don't care attitude at the deo she lets them control her too much car is right about cat's personal elevator too bad we don't see that kind of thinking again until lena's uh in charge if i were cat i would start getting her assistant's name right but that's kind of Kat's thing is getting yeah. it wrong. Yeah. Um, Daryl says, I think it should be a point of discussion in the podcast if any of the issues Kara brings up are resolved later in the show. I guess huh. we don't know that yet. We're well, well, we're in 2016. 2016. Yeah. Um, so so we'll, we'll figure that out, I guess, as we continue on. I don't, I mean, I think her, her stuff with Alex is addressed throughout the, the run of the show. But I, I think some of the other stuff, um, not so much because some of the stuff that she brought up with Kat Grant unfortunately maybe if i was looking into the future like a crystal ball situation i might say maybe cat grant doesn't 
show up as much in the future. <laughs> so Boy, they can't that would be, be a bummer, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be a bummer? Man, I hope she's in the show forever. I hope she stays <laughs> around all the time. <laughs> um, do, do, do. Uh, Daryl says, I had completely forgotten that Car uh, that Kara went with pants as part of her super suit so early in the show. That's true. When Kara gets to make her first decision about what she's going to wear, she goes pants right away. Pants, pants, pants. pants, pants. pants. <laughs> And then Daryl finishes up with when all they could talk about were pants in the preseason five interviews. I thought it was brand new. No, she's a, she's a been, she worked uh, pants here in season one. And when she got her crypto suit with the, like the Daft Punk mask, that's pants. So yeah, all pants. Listen, she's been a pants fan from way back. <laughs> <laughs> this is nothing new for her. She loves some pants. Uh, I also oh. wanted to get, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I saw, uh, I just saw a, a question we had in the chat from Rachel, who says, if they brought Red K Kara back in the later seasons, how do you think she would interact with Lena, Brainy, Nia, and Kelly? I think she would, uh, I mean... I mean, she'd be mean to all of them. She would be mean to all of them. That is, I, I think a Red K episode while Lena ar was around would have been juicy. Oh. I think that would have been fraught. Le <laughs> Lena, it would have been for Lena, like if you poked a bear. I think Red yes. K Carl would have poked a bear. Oh, for sure. I think that that would have started. Uh, a very bad situation. Could you imagine if that had happened like while they were in their feud? That actually could have been fun. That could have been like a spy versus spy situation. <laughs> well, here's what I would have done in that case. Uh, if Red K. Kara went up against Lena, I would put Lena in the Lexo suit. And they oh, would have duped it out. They would have. Oh my God, that would have been amazing. That's what I would have done. Well, now I'm now mad we didn't get that. Brainy, I think Brainy would have tried to find a, a way to defeat her somehow using science. Um, Red K. Carr would have absolutely told Brainy he wasn't as smart as he keeps oh, saying he is. And she would have destroyed him. She would have <laughs> been like, your whole thing is that you're smart. How do you keep getting manipulated by every sucker who comes along? <laughs> Red K. Kara would have ruined his life. I think I think she would have also really hurt Nia's feelings because uh because Nia looked up to her so much as like her mentor. I think she would have uh I think she would have like really destroyed Nia emotionally. I, th I think before Nia went down from the red K car insults. I think she would have tried to throw some sleep puns. Some oh yeah, a hundred percent. But what if car, what if car was like, you know, people don't find that funny. That, what, I mean, what that if, would destroy you. What, what, if, <laughs> what if red K Kara did better dream sleep puns <gasps> than Nia? Oh my, that, I think that would have been it for Nia. That, <laughs> that's, that's a KO baby. That's a knockout. <laughs> She would have had better puns, and that would have really devastated Nia. Kelly, I don't know. Kelly, uh, Kelly might have been a tough one because I think Kelly would have been like, "Car, I feel like you're lashing out due to some <laughs> unresolved trauma." Like, what if Kelly was the only one who actually bested Red K. Cara because she <laughs> she got she was like interested. That's super interesting. You feel like feels like there's a lot of aggression there. Let's dig into it and get to the bottom of it. And Red K. Cara is like. Yes, I'd actually love to do that. Like, <laughs> suddenly it just becomes a therapy. It's the therapy that Cara needed this whole time. 
I think that's exactly what would have happened. Uh, so yeah, too bad we did not get to see that. Uh, I do want to have, uh, before we get back into the Legion Cruiser and go back to 2023, I just wanted to hop into the chat and get some things pulled up uh, that we missed earlier. Uh, uh, New Rachel also uh, wonders why Nam wasn't in this episode to talk her down. Uh, I wonder how that would have played differently if Nan did uh, address Red K. Kara. Nan might have been fun in this episode by being like, I don't know what it is, but I'm loving this. On, I'm loving this color on you. <laughs> like, what if, what if Kara like, was like, Nan, you're right. Everyone here sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, that could have been a, a fun opportunity to kind of pull in the villain of the season but I guess there there was a lot happening in this episode. Probably not enough real estate for Non, but it would have been kind of fun to see Non being like, I don't know. I'm feeling like I like you. I may not kill you anymore. I kind of think yeah. I like this this version of Kara Zorel. <laughs> One uh, of us. <laughs> <laughs> Hegel Blast also says, uh, when this episode first aired uh, during the fin uh, final balcony scene, I fully expected Kat to address Supergirl as Kara or Kira instead of Supergirl. Do you think, uh, like we've talked before about whether or not we think that Kat knows that Kara is Supergirl because she figured it out. Then Kara and Martian Manhunter tricked her and we supposedly are led to believe that that is the reason that Kat no longer thinks that Kara is Supergirl. But do you think maybe she still does anyway? I I feel like I think she still, she still knows. I really do. Like, I mean... Kara is kind of mean at the same time that Supergirl has gone bad. Like, that's quite a coincidence. That's quite a I feel like Kat is just like, it's fine. It's fine. I don't want to have to go through this with you every time I tell you that you're Supergirl. <laughs> yeah, uh, Supergirl went bad and then Kara uh suddenly was really interested in doing her job she must have <laughs> thought that there was something, something is wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see joey in the chat says red k supergirl was a scary thing i loved maxwell lord's comment when win freaked out about car throwing cat off her balcony uh yeah he was like she killed miss grant <laughs> that was uh, yeah. that made that line reading she killed miss grant made me laugh so hard <laughs> yeah uh, i guess that would be a concern um, and then uh, Aaron says, uh, Carl was making a lot of snap judgments in this episode. Oh, so she... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so she was doing snap judgments of her own. Well, Morgan, since we've gone long, I think it's time. We get back into the Legion right, Cruiser. Got to go back home. And we got to go back <laughs> to a 2023. Before we get out of here, we need to make uh, some Supergirl radio and some DC TV vlogs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live. 
and Wired. DC TV Podcast also has a T Public store, so if you're in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the T Public store link at the top of the page. Now see here, Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you want to listen to other shows, we've got The Flash Podcast, Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, The Lituation Room, DC on HBO Max Podcast, Stargirl Podcast, Superman and Lois Radio, Green Lantern Podcast, The Sandman Podcast, DC TV After Dark, and Justice League Dark Podcast. Since we talked about falling, Red K. Carr acting like her Kryptonian Aunt Astra and how that affected the Danvers sisters' relationship, we have some designs in the Tee Public Store that we would love to suggest. Yeah, check out the Tee Public Store for all of your Arrowverse and Supergirl radio needs. we got some cool designs there. So definitely go check us out. And even if you want to get something outside of the Arrowverse, just a pro tip, you can click on our link for the Tee Public Store and then go search for some other things Ooh. that you might want. And uh, it still counts towards our Tee Public Store if you do that. So uh, just make sure you click on the link. But definitely check out the Supergirl stuff because that's uh, the best, in my opinion, the best place uh, to get Supergirl, uh, Supergirl merch uh, for T-shirts, mugs, stickers, all kinds of fun things. So uh, definitely uh, check out the store. We would also like to thank our Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Ni- uh, Quinn, Nicola, Abby, Miriam, and Nicole, Brian, Ethan, Danny, Tara, and Majuba. If you would like to become a Legion of a Super Sponsor, you can go to uh, uh, and support any of our uh, monthly memberships. Uh, we appreciate your support. And you can go to patreon.com slash Radio to do that. Well, if you would like to uh, check me out outside of the Supergirl Radio uh, podcast episode and want to see what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid, And I also have a YouTube channel that you can find at youtube.com slash Pride, where I live stream on Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern and read through Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice reviews written by the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes. This past week was the penultimate oh. review. Yeah. So almost finished with this project of mine. I've been going, I think it's uh, either 38 or 39 reviews that I've gone through wow. uh, to, to look at these. And uh, so it's been quite the journey, almost uh, nearing the end. I'll figure out what I'm going to do next, have a lot of ideas, but I'll probably still maybe do some live streams on Sunday nights Ooh. at 9 p.m. because it seems to be something uh, some folks like to do. So I'll probably try to do a little mixture of live streaming and uh, pre-recorded videos. So if you want to check me out on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmeltprod. And you can find me on the internet. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Mojotastic. And I also am a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which is a uh, so much about legends of tomorrow anymore uh we're kind of calling ourselves the legendary lady podcast now uh but we don't have a new logo yet uh but (laughs) we will be talking this thursday night about uh we're gonna do a pilot pod about the last of us nice um so that is cool if you want to check us out uh and 
join us in the chat. Uh, you can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash the legendary ladies. Um, or you can send us uh, emails about what you thought about the, uh, the last of us um, pilot or even the whole show, honestly, at um, the legendary ladies at gmail.com. Uh, we're really excited to do the, uh, the pilot pod on the last of us. The season just wrapped up. Uh, I want to say like last weekend and it was a really good, uh, really good show on eight over on HBO, you know, our favorite, our favorite streaming platform, HBO max. Yeah. Uh, HBO max. So we got it. We got to support that content. We got to support taking it to the max. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm excited about, uh, about talking about that. So keep your eyes peeled and, uh, and, uh, subscribe to the legends of tomorrow podcast. Yeah, make sure you're subscribed to all of the Morgan Glennon Podcast Universe podcasts <laughs> uh, and make sure you uh, know when new episodes are dropping uh, because they are very good. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And thanks for joining us for Supergirl Radio Rewind. <laughs> McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.